Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 344. Going on a Royal Caribbean cruise means you'll be visiting a lot of great places around the world, experience wonderful entertainment, and of course, enjoy some really good food as well. To help you navigate all your dining options, I've come up with an assortment of tips and tricks for ensuring that you have the best info before you step on board your ship and begin chowing down. Here we go. When it comes to dining on a Royal Caribbean cruise, eating on a Royal Caribbean cruise, it's one of my favorite things to do because, well, it's it's a guilty pleasure that I really, really enjoy. And I also have to do it in order to live, but mostly a guilty pleasure. There's tons of food choices on there. I don't have to cook any of it. I don't have to clean up after myself. And it all tastes really good. And today I wanted to focus on some dining tips. If you're going on a cruise, I think most of these tips should be applicable to most ships in the fleet. Maybe one or two or for like one particular ship or another, but you kind of get it. Hopefully these will help you on your next cruise, whether it's your first time dining on Royal Caribbean or perhaps you've been there, done that. Again, perhaps just a tip or two you can uh, take away from this. Number one, and this is something a lot of first-timers don't really pick up on, don't order just one of anything. Whether you're in the main dining room, Johnny Rockets, or even a specialty restaurant, don't settle for just one entree or one appetizer or one dessert. I get it. When you're on land, that's how you order because two reasons. Number one, it costs you money every time you order something else. And number two, it can seem kind of gluttonous. But on Royal Caribbean, you are allowed to order more than one entree, appetizer, dessert, etc. And it's not being gluttonous per se, because first and foremost, the serving sizes that Royal Caribbean gives you tend to be a little small, uh, more so than maybe if you're going out to a land vacation. That's something that I kind of noticed up front when I first started cruising. And number two, and this is something I really like doing, is sometimes you just want to try something. You're in the main dining room, you look at that menu, and you know you want to order that steak, but there's also that escargot you've heard about, or maybe that salmon dish, and Maybe you've never really tried salmon or you've heard a lot about escargot, which is, by the way, cooked snails. And you're thinking to yourself, all right, I just want to take a bite of it. Maybe I like it, maybe I won't. You can totally do that. So feel free to experiment, try new things. And if two things or three things on the menu look really good, order them all. I have been known on at least one occasion to order everything off the menu. It's only happened once or twice and I kind of giggle through it. But it's a, like I said, it's a guilty pleasure. Another really important tip that I wanted to share was also that you can bring dinner back from the dining room if you can't make it. If for some reason someone's not feeling up for going to dinner, whether they're just too tired, they're not feeling well, or what have you, you can always have to-go options from the dining room. The waitstaff is always looking to make sure that you have a great time. And there have been situations in which I've gone to the dining room because uh, my wife or one of my kids wasn't feeling it. Sometimes like after a long day on a shore excursion, it's just the idea of getting dressed is just not going to happen. And nap time is the best time. So I go to the dining room by myself, and of course the waitstaff kind of notices, hey, what happened to you know your wife or your kids? And I mentioned they're too tired or not feeling up for it. And they will usually offer to give me a to-go option. You can always ask for that as well. So if you're not feeling it, you know, someone's not there, you can ask for a to-go option to be able to bring back to the room for them. Alternatively, also, this is probably more applicable for dessert. Sometimes you eat the whole meal and you're like, man, I'm not hungry at all, but I know in like 30 minutes, I'm really gonna want that cake. Ask for it to go as well. You can totally do that. No problem at all. Next on my list is that you can bring your own wine. And this is one of my favorite tips because it absolutely positively will save you money. Royal Caribbean allows you to bring up to two bottles of wine per stateroom on embarkation day. You just got to pack that wine in your carry-on luggage. So don't put it in the luggage that you give to the porters. And obviously, if they're bringing wine, this is two less bottles of wine that you need to purchase on board the ship. If you don't have a drink package, bringing your own wine is a really 
lucrative benefit, I, I think. Um, there is, of course, technically speaking, a corkage fee that you're supposed to be assessed, which is $25 per bottle when you open it in a restaurant or a um, bar or lounge on board. But in my experience, I swear, since they've reinstituted the corkage fee, probably back, I think it was back in like 2017, I don't think I have yet to be charged the corkage fee. I'm not saying that that'll happen to you, but... Whenever I bring a bottle of wine, I'll go into the dining room or a bar and I'll bring it in there and say, hey, I brought my own wine. Can you uh, open this for us? And certainly I'm, I'm prepared to pay for it, but I have never been charged. So for what it's worth, you know, it's it, it, it's worth a try anyway. But I'd also point out that even if you are charged the corkage fee, it's still cheaper. I mean, buying a $25 bottle of wine is not going to happen, especially not a good one. So being able to bring your own or your favorite bottles of wine from home is a great way to save money and also expand your choice of wine to enjoy. And of course, just like any bottle of wine, they can store it for you in the dining room. So if you're at Chops, you're in the main dining room, and you start, you open a new bottle, whether it's yours or one you bought from Royal Caribbean, and you're not, you haven't finished it yet, you can ask them to store it for you, and they'll have it there. And one more thing, by the way, if you let's say you're in the dining room, you store that bottle of wine. The next night you're going to Chops, just let the Chops waiter know, oh, you know, I'm in this dining, my time or traditional this time. Uh, here's my table number, and I have a bottle of wine they can go down and grab it for you. So you don't have to bring it back to your room. Of course, you could if you wanted to just finish it off later that evening, but uh, definitely a great tip. And that's two bottles of wine per stateroom, not per person. So my next dining tip is to get food allergies and special requests taken care of on day one. If you're traveling with someone who has a food allergy or a special dietary request, you definitely want to go to the main dining room on embarkation day to ask you to speak to the head waiter on duty. Once you speak with him or her, you can convey any special requests you may have and get in place with the rest of your cruise. Now, when I'm talking about these kind of requests, really and truly, these are more for like non-life-threatening things, things that you're looking for. Generally speaking, the dining staff is really flexible when it comes to these dietary requests. And what I, the reason why you want to do this on day one, even before you go to the dining room to actually eat dinner, is to give them time to prepare for it. In most cases, it's not usually a problem. Worst case scenario, depending on what your request is, they may tell you, okay, we can have that ready for day two, but not necessarily the first night. But of course, they'll work with you. They'll give you some options there. You're not going to go hungry. Far from it. A tip that also I have to always go with when it comes to one of my favorite specialty restaurants is to pre-book hibachi. When it comes to specialty restaurants in general, I think in most cases, unless you're really dead set on a specific time and day, there's usually opportunities to just go on the ship and make a reservation on board. But when it comes to hibachi, you absolutely have to make a reservation in advance. It's one of the most popular dining choices now. And because hibachi is so limited, there's set times and there's only so many seats that are available. It's just become a, a critical thing if you want to experience it. So if you're looking to try teppanyaki dining on your next cruise, you definitely want to make a reservation for it. I will point out that if you're on a ship that has some of the larger hibachi dining venues like Independence of the Seas or Mariner of the Seas, there's a little more flexibility there. But if you're sitting at home right now and say, I want to do hibachi, definitely pre-book it, including kids. You know, one of my other tips is you don't have to put down a reservation for children when you uh, have a dining reservation because, of course, there's a kid's rate. I always tell people you can make the reservation for the adults and then just simply show up with the kids later on. We'll charge you the ch children's rate because, again, seating is not necessarily that much of a problem in these restaurants. But at Izumi Hibachi, you absolutely want to make a reservation. So make them for the adults or make them and for the kids as well. And when you get there, let the staff know immediately when you sit down, when you check in, by the way, I prepaid, but I've got a kid or two or eight and I want to make sure that we get the difference refunded back to you. Do this in the beginning of the meal. I made the mistake 
of waiting till the end of the meal and then becomes kind of a problem. Do it in the beforehand so that way they have time to process it. So you're not sitting around basically the restaurant while everyone else is gone waiting for them to process your refund. So definitely do that. And when it comes to specialty dining, by the way, if you're going to do, I would say, more than one specialty restaurant, definitely book a dining package to save money. You know, dining packages absolutely positively will save you money compared to trying to enjoy the same amount of restaurants, paying them a la carte. These days, the pricing for specialty restaurants is really through the roof. I mean, if you look at the price, the onboard price for Chops Grill or Jamie's Italian, I mean, you're paying like, you know, 40, almost $50 a person on most ships, even at $35 a person. That's a lot. So for one restaurant, if you're only eating at one, totally fine. I'd probably do it on your own that way. But if you're doing more than I would say two, I would get a dining package. These dining packages are going to save you at least, I would say, 50% off the cost of trying to dine at these specialty restaurants if you pay the covered charge. Now, of course, the catch with the dining packages is you can't book a specific restaurant or time until you actually get on board the ship. And you must dine at one restaurant on either night one or night two. But really, you shouldn't worry too much about that because in my experience, getting reservations is really simple once you get on board the ship. And again, unless you're like, I need to eat day two at 6.30 at Chops, and if it's 6.15, I'm going to have a problem, I think you'll have no issues there whatsoever. It's become my go-to thing to, to try. Um, I think dining packages absolutely save you a ton of money. And it's it's really, these days, it's more of a question of are you doing like a smaller dining package, like a three-nighter, or are you going to go for the unlimited dining package? Because you, oftentimes, I think Royal Caribbean is not <laughs> dumb here. They definitely recognize this is like the popcorn at the movies where, oh, you could spend this much, or for a little bit more, you can get the big popcorn. And I feel like these days, when it comes to the dining packages, they offer the three-night package for whatever, which is most people are kind of interested in. But then the unlimited dining package is usually a nominal fee more than that. And it kind of goes like, hmm, the wheels in my head are spinning now, right? It starts to become very, very enticing. So, you know, it's one of those things where, look, you got to make a decision on your own. There's a whole other conversation about about that. The bottom line, though, is no matter which dining package you get, I promise you this, it will absolutely save you money compared to trying to do the same matter restaurants on your own. Unless, of course, we're talking about Johnny Rockets, in which case, okay, you know, 10 bucks. You're, you're probably better off just paying for there. But any other specialty restaurant, including the a la carte restaurants like Portside Barbecue or Playmakers or Zumi, you're still better off with that dining package. So go for it that way. All right, let's talk about lines for meals because this is a common question, a common concern, especially on embarkation day. Because inevitably, we go for a meal at lunch or breakfast or even sometimes dinner. We're going to, what do we usually think of? Well, we're thinking about the Windjamer, the venerable favorite dining buffet option of choice. It's my favorite place to go, and it makes sense. It's got the most variety out there, and, well, pretty much everybody else thinks the same way. So if you're looking for less crowded options for any meal, always look at the cruise compass for all venues that are open in addition. Again, there's nothing wrong with Windjamere, but all too often I feel like people tend to gravitate towards just the Windjamere or the main dining room and that's it. But there are lots of other great spots, especially for, you know, lunch or a small snack. And you need to really look at those as good choices. These We're talking about Cafe Promenade, Park Cafe, Sorrento's Pizza, Solarium Bistro, which is one of my favorite ones, and Cafe Latitudes. They offer complimentary dining choices that can be really quick and offer you, you know, something that you just want to be able to grab and go in a lot of cases. My favorites, uh, Solarium Bistro is by far the least known but best option for a formal meal or sit-down meal, really, is what I'm trying to say, without having to go either the main dining room, especially restaurant, or the Windjamer. It's that fourth option, I guess, and it's only available on certain ships, the Quantum Class and the Oasis Class, but it is complimentary to eat the Solarium Bistro, 
and it is a combination of buffet slash sit down. Uh, your appetizers are served buffet style, as well as I think your desserts as well. But the entrees are served to you by a waiter, and there's no cost to it. It's in the solarium, and yes, you can bring kids into the solarium bistro, totally okay. I gotta be honest, most people really overlooked it. Heck, I overlooked the solarium bistro for so many years. And nowadays, it is my favorite go-to breakfast spot on Oasis Class Shifts, because again, no one goes there. It's so much less crowded, easier with the kids as well. Uh, I, I definitely, I think it's it's a fabulous choice. And of course, Park Cafe is a probably the best grab-and-go or counter-service option that's not called Windjammer. I mean, it's just, it's it's really amazing how much variety and good food they have there. Those, oh, those roast beef sandwiches. Oh, I can go for one right now. It's so, so, so good there. Let's talk if you have My Time Dining, because if you go for the My Time Dining option, you definitely want to make reservations for it. Now, I get it. The whole point of My Time Dining is, well, you're not supposed to make reservations. You just show up. You roll in whenever you feel like it, right? Well, yeah, you can totally do that. But nobody really likes waiting around. So if you want to minimize your wait, if you can, make a reservation in advance. Now, ideally, you could do that right now via Royal Caribbean's website in the weeks and months leading up to your cruise. But if you don't want to go that way, you're like, whoa, 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 Matt, that sounds a lot more traditional. I want to go with the flow. Well, keep in mind, you can always make reservations on board the ship either in advance or the same day, but having a reservation really makes it easier. When you go to the main dining room and you have my time dining, there are two lines, people with a reservation, people without a reservation. And if you have a reservation, you'll be seated a heck of a lot faster. And moreover, if you're going during a busy time, the peak times are really, I would say 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. is if you eat before that, totally fine. After that, you know, again, very minimal weight regardless, but those peak times can generate somewhat of a line there. So making a reservation makes that a whole lot easier. And if you have a larger group, more six people or more, you definitely want to make a reservation because inevitably, I think you probably want to sit together. And those larger tables are far fewer in between than obviously a four top or a two top. So again, make a reservation if, you, if at all possible. If it's if not, I get it. you want to go with the flow. Hey, look, you can always wait in line and they generally move it pretty quickly. But I think ideally most people say, yeah, man, I don't want to wait that much of a line. So there you go. And of course, again, you can make reservations for My Time Dining via the Cruise Planner website or while on board, you can call it in, you can stop by the restaurant, whatever you want to do. And my last tip for today is to make dietary requests before you board. If you have a dietary restriction, then you're going to want to let Royal Caribbean know about it up front. Um, Royal Caribbean can accommodate certain dietary needs off the bat without any formal warning like allergies, gluten-free, kosher, low-fat, and low-sodium. In addition, vegetarian meals, including Indian-style vegetarian, are available on all menus of the main dining room. They've even added a vegan menu not too long ago. So you don't have to make special requests for these kinds of meals, right? But if you are uh, lactose-free, soy milk, need insurer, or want a formal kosher meal, they're available at no extra charge. All you have to do is notify Royal Caribbean at least 45 days prior to sailing or 90 days prior to sailing for European and South American itineraries. Um, you can also just simply send an email to special underscore needs at rccl.com. So special underscore needs at rccl.com and just include your the guest name, booking number, ship name, and sale date, you probably should send it about 90 days in advance. So don't do it. If you've got like six months to go, just make a reminder for yourself. But send about 90 days out. Send that email. Um, you know, look, I, I mentioned that they can accommodate a lot of things like low-fat, low-sodium. You don't have to do that. But if you're on the fence, you're not sure, better safe than never. Send an email anyway. That way they can accommodate you and you can be good to go there. So there you have some really helpful, I think, 
tips for dining on a Royal Caribbean cruise. It doesn't have to be difficult. And I hope that some of these tips will not only save you time, but save you money as well. Because, heck, at the end of the day, that means more money to book another cruise. And I'd be curious, what are your favorite dining tips as well? You can always share them in our comments on this week's episode over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, let's answer some of your listener emails. These are the emails you've sent me about something about Royal Caribbean, or maybe something I said wrong. I'm not sure, but we're going to get to as many as we can here. You can always send me your emails by sending the name to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is today is from Ben, who writes, I'm a new listener to the blog and have enjoyed hearing your tips and experiences on Royal Caribbean cruise ships. I'm now an annual cruiser as I was on Anthem of the Season November 2018 and Grandeur this past December. I was on a Royal Caribbean ship seven years ago, but I don't recall what ship it was. Anyways, last week I officially booked a cruise with my family on Odyssey of the Seas on December 4th. Looking on the Royal Caribbean website, it seems like Odyssey is going to be an amazing ship, which makes me so excited. In fact, if I had a time machine right now, I would teleport myself to December 4th. A couple questions for you. First, do you have any insight what to expect on Odyssey? Will it be somewhat similar to Anthem considering they are both Quantum class? Also, knowing that Odyssey will be taking its maiden voyage in the beginning of November, I was thinking maybe the fifth or sixth trip it takes. Should I be worried about hiccups that might occur on the ship? Do you have any idea how much time the crew trains and preps to a ship prior to first embarkations? As excited as I am, a little bit of my worries because it's a new ship and I'm one of the first trips it takes. Ben, thanks for the email and great questions, certainly understandable. So. What it'll be like, that's still a really good question, dude, because technically it's a quantum ultra class ship, which means it's basically a larger quantum class ship. And a Spectrum of the Seas, Ben, was the first quantum ultra class ship. But Spectrum was designed for Asia, and when that means they did a lot of work on it to make it adhere to basically appeal to the Chinese market, which means it's not going to be a one to one to what we can expect here on in North America or even in Europe for that matter. So it's going to be something like Spectrum, something like Anthem, and maybe a little bit of spice thrown in there that's totally different there. We have some idea of what's going to be there. There's going to be a Skypad, and of course you're going to have the, the classic Quantum Class experiences on there, North Star, Ripcord by iFly. Uh, one of the interesting changes that I can recall from the Odyssey information is that they're going to have playmakers in the C-Plex, which is kind of a neat idea um, on the upper level, basically a sports bar and a sports deck, kind of makes sense indoors. Um, that'll be a really interesting thing right there. So your other question though about, you know, you're going on one of the first sailings, first, certainly the first 10 sailings, should you be concerned? And the answer is you shouldn't be concerned at all. Number one, the crew begins training on the ship as soon as it basically can float around and it leaves dry dock. Um, there's a, basically what happens is the shipyard builds the ship and then there's a del delivery ceremony in which they literally hand the ship off. It's kind of like buying a car at a car dealership. It's when you get the keys in your hand, right? But when they when the shipyard does that, the ship's not really 100% complete yet. They're still doing work on things, they're installing things and configuring things. And this work goes on in the weeks leading up to the actual first sailing. And don't forget, the ship is starting off in Europe because that's where the shipyard is. So it's got to get over to Fort Lauderdale in order to actually begin sailing here. So by the time they get to you, between all that time getting across the Atlantic, plus the first couple sailings, they'll have it, I don't say down to a science, but they'll have knocked out a lot of those issues there. And I really wouldn't worry too much about it, quite frankly. When it comes to these ships and, and um, you're on the fifth or sixth trip it takes, I, I don't think it's an issue at all. If you're on the first or second, yeah, there have been in some cases, you know, a missing feature or two, a coming soon. That's certainly been the case. Uh, the worst was Navigator of the Seas. That was uh, in the beginning of 2019. 
They actually had to cancel, I think, a couple sailings because they were behind schedule on that. But look, they, that's what it was. And even then, there were a couple features that were kind of like, still coming soon. But they took care of it. So if you're not in the first, like, three at worst sailings, totally fine there. And I think, Ben, by the time they get around to you, I would be pretty surprised, quite frankly, if there were any lingering issues. By then, they really should um, have that thing down to... Uh, Again, down to a science, for lack of a better word. So hopefully, Ben, you'll have a great time, and I'm so glad to hear you're making a Royal Caribbean cruise an annual tradition. Next, we have an email from Eric in Richmond, Virginia. I just booked my first cruise March 2021, seven days on Anthem of the Seas. It's a theme cruise for fans of the Philadelphia Eagles. As I understand in terminology, I believe this is a full ship charter theme cruise, and I booked through the agency that is organizing the cruise. I've been listening to your podcast for your tips, and just to know what type of things I need to be thinking about, it's been great. My question for you is, what's the same and what's different for a theme cruise versus a regular cruise? Thanks for any special insights. You can make sure I get the most out of this cruise. You know, when you do a full ship charter, and I haven't been on one, to be perfectly fair, Eric, but it is a different experience. Depending on the company that is chartering, there are going to be certain things that are available or not available. The most common thing not available is crown and anchor benefits on board. Um, you know, your, your diamond drinks in the evening, a discount on merchandise. Those are almost always waived because in order to, the more perks you can get, the company has to shell out more money in order to make those occur. Um, heck, I've seen cruises in which they, they actually close out all the bars. Those tend to be more religious cruises, not so much a Philadelphia Eagles cruise. Although I understand the Eagles are kind of a religion for people in Philly, but that's a different story for a different day. So to say what will be offered in terms of like events and entertainment, you know, dude, it's it's really gonna it's really gonna depend. I don't know that I can answer it for you. The only person that can truly answer that for you is going to be the company that's chartering the cruise. So keep that in mind. You can certainly ask them specific questions you have about, you know, are there gonna be shows in the theater? Uh, what's the alcohol situation? Oftentimes, drink packages are not included, and also whether or not you get points for for you know crown and anchor points for your cruise is also another issue there. These are all questions you're gonna have to ask the company. That's who I would go with because if you call Royal Caribbean. They're almost certainly going to direct you back there. Charters are anomalies. They are one-offs. They are really in their own little area. So it's not something you can really look up. And one charter doesn't necessarily lead to another. The only exception would be if you if, if it's an annual thing. Like there's the Monsters of Rock cruise, which is a full ship charter in which they do all these like hair bands. And I know they've been doing that for many years. And I suspect that if you talk to somebody who went on one of those, I suspect that'd be similar to what you can expect in the future. So there you go. Next email is from Cliff who writes, Hi Matt, hope you enjoyed your recent cruise and so glad to hear about the Coco Beach Club my wife and I are going in July. This is our fourth Royal Caribbean cruise we'll be going on and we always do at least one specialty dining. For this cruise, we're interested in 150 Central Park. My question is, for that restaurant, it'll come out to $90 for the two of us, yet the three night package is only $200 for the two of us. But we've also already done chops twice in the past. Would you recommend sticking to 150 Central Park and do the main dining room the rest of the nights or is the three night package more worth it? We're also nervous about reservations as with the three night, you can't book till the first time on board the ship. Sorry for the long question. Thanks for answering everything. And Cliff, this is a perfect question. I didn't really time this for this episode. It just happened to be this way, but here's an example. So $45 a person eat at 150 Central Park, right? So that's 90 bucks. Whereas you can buy a three night dining package for $200. Remember that popcorn example I gave you? They got you right there. Look, here's the bottom line, Cliff. If you truly only want one restaurant, obviously you'll save about a hundred bucks if you don't buy a dining package, but you're halfway to the dining package right now. So you might say to yourself, well, self, we're halfway there. If I just spend another hundred bucks, we can eat at two more, especially restaurants for not a lot more, right? Especially if you were to go back to 150 
or to go to hibachi, or you were to go to Chops. Even though you've been there before, look, I've been to all these before as well. It's still fun, it's still good food. It's really more of a question of, Cliff, I think two things. Number one, budget, can you afford another $100 uh, uh, to spend? And number two, are you interested in eating or do you like these other restaurants? You mentioned you've been you've been to Chops twice. Do you like it? I mean, if you don't like it, well then don't go there, obviously. But you mentioned in the, uh, the subject of your email as you're going on a waste of the season. I mean, there's so many great choices on there to enjoy. Don't forget, you can also use your dining package at Playmakers, at the uh, aforementioned as well, um, Portside Barbecue. Now that they're great values there, I think the dining packages are best used in terms of maximizing your value at more, more formal specialty restaurants. So if I were you, if you're going to go there, I would say 150 Central Park, Izumi Hibachi, and the third one, I would say Jamie's Italian. I mean, I've... I, uh, to have been the chops, I think I generally prefer Jamie's, and just because it's more variety there. Chops is steak, 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 steak. Whereas Jamie's get a little more choice there. So that's not a bad way to spend your vacation. But again, there's nothing wrong with doing exactly what you just said earlier, which is spend the ninety bucks. That's it, and then you enjoy the main dining room. And hey, it's fabulous in the dining room. So. Yeah, it really comes down to, again, think, can you afford or do you want to spend an extra 100 bucks? And are you interested in any of the restaurants, of course? So keep that in mind. And one other thing, by the way, when it comes to dining packages, this is a question I get every so often. Yes, you can repeat dining restaurants. If you want to go with a three-night package and eat at 150 Central Park three times in a row, you can absolutely do that. And the and as I mentioned also earlier, the whole thing about reservations and worrying about getting them, eh, it's not a big deal at all. I think you're good there. Next, we have an email from Joe Mock, my very good friend, who writes, In your podcast about Ovation Cruise Alaska, you mentioned educational talks. You're reviewing the cruise compass. I don't see any reference to them. Am I missing something? As always, thanks for all your help and all you do. Joe, thanks for the email. And of course, obviously, what will be offered on a particular setting may differ. But they usually, when I was on Explorer this season, they offered um, these kind of talks. I think on Explorer, I'm trying to think. It must have happened in the theater. But on, on Ovation, it probably happens at 270. They do basically, some guy comes over there and kind of talks about... I don't know, the wildlife or the history or something about the ports you're visiting. In the Caribbean, it really doesn't occur all that much, if at all, quite frankly. But in Alaska and Europe also, the more exotic the itinerary, you get these events. You have to check your cruise compass, obviously. And as I also mentioned, it may not be offered on every single sailing. But I recall, Joe, when I was on Explorer of the Seas going to Alaska in 2018... And I remember seeing them, I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. And then I didn't go there and I kind of regretted it. So I'm hoping when I go back on Ovation in June, I'm going to be able to convince myself to go back and try it again. Uh, Ryan Rayfield has our next question. He writes, had a somewhat of a YOLO book it moment last night. My fiance and I got married in May. We're going to an all-inclusive in Mexico for the honeymoon. We still wanted to do something for our annual summer vacation week in August. And we thought... What better choice than a Royal Caribbean cruise? We've been on an Oasis class ship, so we went ahead and took advantage of the WOW sale and booked a seven-night Caribbean ocean view balcony on Symphony of the Seas. We'll be going to Labadee, Falmouth, the Cozumel. I want. I went to a few of these ports back when I was around four years old, so I don't really remember much. So obviously, I have some questions. Number one, first timers on Symphony, what are some tips? Best bar, specialty restaurant? We're definitely considering some sort of a dining package. Best bar, I love the 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 trellis bar in Central Park. It's, a, it's the best... Um, ambiance it gets a little hot in there because there's not a terrible amount of um air movement necessarily it depends on the day obviously but that's a really good one and i love uh, look the pub is always when i especially at night ryan i love going to the pub for the evening entertainment there that's really good best specialty restaurant i think it's azumi hibachi i really do i really love that place ryan's next question we're blown away by all the excursions at each of the ports of call any that you've done it are must do's i like the idea of swimming in caverns and the blue hole excursion in falmouth I would say, Brian, Ryan, if you are attracted to 
caverns and the blue hole one, do it, dude. I mean, the blue hole excursion in Falmouth is just a really long trip back and forth, but if you don't have kids or an aversion to rather long rides, it's not, a, it's, it's fabulous. I mean, utterly stunning. Everyone's photos I've seen always look really, really cool. So I would go with your gut on this one. Um, in terms of where else you mentioned, I'm assuming the, well, really that leaves Labadee and Labadee is just a beach day. If you want to splurge, get a cabana. But yeah, I think you go with your gut. I've always like, whenever it comes to shore excursions in general, I kind of look whatever people are doing. But sometimes I'll go through the, the excursions Royal Caribbean offers and I'll kind of scroll through it and be like, you know, I, I, I see one that catches my eye. And once you, something catches your eye, you just can't overlook it. Go for it, dude. You know, there's plenty of opportunity to go back to Falmouth and Cozumel on other excursions, on other cruises rather. And Ryan's last question is, we want an Anthem of the Seas back in November 2018 for the first time. And we love that ship. What differences do you think we'll definitely notice about on Symphony, other than size, obviously? I think you're going to notice generally the, I mean, just the overwhelming, in a good way, amount of things to do on board. I mean, look, Anthem is a big ship and there's plenty going on, but Symphony takes it to the next level. I think that's really what you're going to see here on any Oasis class ship, including Symphony of the Seas, is the overwhelming amount of things to do. The Solarium Bar is also something that's totally different and really neat to hang out at. So I would recommend that one. That goes back to maybe your other question about best bar. Totally forgot on Symphony of the Seas. They redid the bar area in the Solarium, and it's really cool, very beautiful as well. Definitely check that out. Um, but I, I, I think that it's just, it's when it comes to Oasis class, there's Oasis class and there's everything else, including the quantum class. So yeah, I think it's just going to be, you're going to find there is just like, holy moly, there is a ton of things going on here. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you for joining me here. And of course, uh, if you want to send me an email, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, uh, M-A-C-C at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.